Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. It's just me this evening, hence, you know, the always technical glitch when JC's not around me. <laughs> I don't know what my... I have so much going on here, guys. I can't possibly be be a sole driver of this submarine and not have some kind of issue going on. So I just want to thank you for your time and thank you for always coming in. Make sure that you, as you come in, that you give us the thumbs up so that we can outdo the YouTube algorithm. Uh, I wanted to mention that, uh, yesterday's show I don't know how many of you have caught yesterday's show or not but YouTube deemed yesterday's show to be uh, offensive so you know if you don't think yesterday's show was offensive then we'd really really appreciate it if you would just go ahead and 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 if you haven't already give yesterday's show a thumbs up and and share it with whomever you can uh, to get the word out, the truth that we teach is not being taught anywhere else. You know that. That's why you're here. And so I'm really, really excited for you. Can I just tell you that in that these are exciting times. And, and exciting isn't always a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. But nonetheless, these are exciting times. These are historic times. These are the times that history will judge us. There is no doubt in my mind that a hundred years from now, what we do in the next two weeks will matter. There are times in history where what we do for the next, you know, won't matter in a hundred years, but what we do in the next two weeks here will matter. It is very important. And the decisions that we make and how we treat them are so centrally important, not just to simply how we live today, not just our economics, oh, stimulus, whatever, no. What we do today will determine the liberty of generations. Samuel Adams said, when we tamely suffer a lawless attack upon our liberty, we encourage it and we involve others in our doom. He said, it's a serious consideration that should weigh heavy upon our hearts that ages and millions yet unborn will be the miserable sharers of our experience. This is what he's talking about. What we allow our governments to do over the next two weeks will determine how our children, grandchildren, and their children will live. I just, over and over again, this quote from Winston Churchill keeps coming to my mind. And um, it, is, it is such an important quote. It is such an important principle that, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll close out the show with that quote. How about that? I'll close out the show with that quote. Now, I, I wanna encourage you guys 
to go to my YouTube page uh, and I'm sorry on my Facebook page let me see if I can get this up here this is a very important article that I have that on the on my Facebook page and what it teaches is how stimulus packages are not actually stimulus this is written by a friend of mine Michael Meharry and I don't know if I'm actually saying his name right because I always butcher names so he can come after me if he will but he is he is a co-founder of the 10th Amendment Center and he has written this amazing article about how number one the stimulus package in the corona for the coronavirus is not actually a stimulus when it pops up I'll I'll bring it over here my internet's moving a little bit slowly but is not actually a stimulus package for many reasons number one what exactly are they stimulating it is proven that in time of crisis people don't spend money not even free money they will hoard it and number two with in some places 75% of the workforce 75% of the workforce not working what exactly will you buy what exactly will you spend your money on and I agree with Michael Mary in the statement many people have likened the battle against the coronavirus to a war and invoked an imagery of US fighting World War II President Trump has even deemed himself a wartime president we're calling it the the invisible enemy I can't even imagine a, a more frightening term to be injected into the psyche of America an invisible enemy an invisible enemy that only the government can see but what we're looking at is a bailout on uh, in unprecedented levels a bailout that we are going to have to pay back See, this is, this is one thing that I want to talk to you about. You know, I headlined this show as uh, Religious Liberty uh, and, and the coronavirus and also the census. So we're going to get second half of the show. We're going to talk about the census. It's census time. I want to be very clear to you what, is, what you have to answer according to the Constitution and what you don't have to answer according to the Constitution and we're gonna have a little lesson on that so you can not only be hey ABC is what you answer everything else is wrong it's not important for me it's not enough for me for you to be able to just simply regurgitate what I'm showing you I want to teach you so you understand the principles and you can defend them without having to remember exactly what I've said but when it comes down to religious liberty, when it comes down to stimulus packages, what we need to understand is what we do today. Nothing is free, especially liberty. Nothing is free, and what we do today will cost us in the long run. Okay. All right, so let me show you what this says. 
The government and central bank response to the economic crisis precipitated by coronavirus are creating the perfect storm for price inflation. Our problem is not lack of money, it's lack of stuff. We're all sitting at home and a lot of us aren't producing anything. So what that means is the federal government can stuff our mailboxes with checks that money doesn't do us any good if there's nothing to buy. And the end result will be a lot more dollars chasing a lot fewer things. That means inflation. Inflation. You have to understand market economics. When you have more money than stuff, the price of stuff rises. And when inflation rises, interest rates rise. And we are now already a world, you know, according to my friend Mike, uh, we are a world in a, uh, up to our eyeballs in debt. In, in debt. So, all the federal money, uh, all the money the Fed is printing isn't going to have any value at all. It's magic paper to begin with. It's fiat money. Your, your paper dollar doesn't carry any value intrinsically. The only value it carries is what the government assigns to it. And the more pieces of paper with the same numbers on it that are printed reduces the value of money. It's just supply and demand from the basic principles. If you have fewer paper dollars printed, their value is higher. But the more paper dollars you print, you will have to have a wheelbarrow full to actually purchase a loaf of bread. And so I want you guys, this is a very simple short article I want you guys to see this article. You can go to my Facebook page. You can access it there. Chris Ann Hall Facebook page uh, and, and see what that's all about. These are the kind of step two things that we really, really, really need to look at when we're talking about how we respond to the coronavirus. When I'm telling you, what we do in the next two weeks will determine the future of America. I am not exaggerating. I am not an apocalyptic preacher and teacher. You guys should know that by now, by me. You have to know that I am misoptimistic. I'm always teaching you the solutions. And I'm telling you the solutions that our federal government is offering up right now, the solutions that the people of America are crying for right now, are our third world country mentality. They're not first world country mentality. They are not liberty mentality. They are not American mentality. It is not American in principle or ideology to be in a problem and cry out to the president of the United States to fix your problem, to Congress to fix your problem, to the Federal Reserve to fix your problem. That is un-American. Let me just say that again, at, at, at the risk of triggering someone out there, it is un-American to be in a crisis and to 
request and demand that the government bail you out. That is un-American. Stimulus money from the federal government is un-American. All of our con conservatives, all of our patriots, all of our politicians that wrap themselves in the flag and want to talk about American this and American that. If you're looking for money from the federal government, if you're looking for jobs from the federal government, if you're looking for, if you're looking for safety and security in a time of pandemic from the federal government, you are behaving in an un-American way. I know that's, hey, look, guys, I know that's going to trigger somebody out there, isn't it? Seriously. How, 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 okay, so we just might as well just go ahead and be absolutely clear. Today's show, without a doubt, is going to be deemed, is going to be deemed offensive by YouTube, offensive by Facebook, and offensive by everybody out there that lacks a proper perspective on what the Constitution says and what actual, what it actually means to be American, okay? So if, if what I'm saying to you, you find offensive, good, because apparently you need to be offended. If what I'm saying to you, what I am calling un-American shocks you, awesome. You need to be shocked. That's what needs to happen today. We need to shock some people into reality. Not, not through being obnoxious, but through truth. We are driving our children into a society where they have no rights, where government power overrules the rights of the people. I mean, I mentioned to you yesterday that I was on this teleconference call with Senator Rick Scott, where a man of a baby boomer age who, who declared that he himself was a, was, a, was a veteran and then said, when can we be assured that the National Guard will be at our grocery stores, at our post offices, and at our hospitals to force people to submit to testing for the virus? I don't want to... Uh, okay, let me put it this way. I do want to shock you. I do want to offend you because I want to reach you with the truth. Demanding the National Guard force people into testing is un-American. Demanding that the government issue mandatory vaccinations is un-American. Demanding that the federal government give you money is un-American. So I don't know what to tell you. I simply... This is where we are. And so the examples that I'm about to give you today on this show, and I'm just realizing throughout the whole show, I mean, pretty much that's what we do. We give you the truth that gives you the boundaries of what's American and what's not. Following the Constitution is the American standard. Violating the Constitution is un-American. Preserving the individual rights and liberties of the people is American. Claiming necessity and national security trump people's individual rights is un-American. 
I don't care who you are. I don't care what position you hold. I don't care what kind of worship you get across America or what kind of hatred you're getting across America. This truth does not change. There are rights and wrongs. There are standards. And so we've got to get this right. Be, okay, we've got to get this right today. Because what we get wrong today, as Samuel Adams said, will create a condition of living for our children, forcing them in a state of miserable existence. Miserable existence. Go, let me go ahead and read you this, this quote from Winston Churchill, because this is what this means right today, okay? If you will not fight for the right when you can easily win without bloodshed, if you will not fight when your victory is sure and not too costly, you may come to the moment when you will have to fight with all the odds against you and only a precarious chance of survival. There may even be a worse case. You may have to fight when there is no hope of victory because it's better to perish than to live as a slave. These are the decisions that we're making today. This is important. Oh, so we're being, uh, you know, I, I live in a city where we never ever have internet issues. In the last two days, they have been, uh, they've been, they've been governing our signal. I, I, I absolutely know that. And remember I told you that YouTube was going to find this offensive. Now they're already telling us that we have to buffer. So stay with us. Stay with us. I'm not going anywhere. By the way, let me just give you this public service announcement. I'm not canceling any of my events either. I'm simply not doing it. I mean, to, to, to make people feel better, we'll have hand sanitizer available and we'll have enough seats that people can socially distance themselves if, that wants to, if you want to make people feel better. But I personally will not be responsible for canceling any of my future events, period. It's not happening. So if any of my events get canceled, it's not me doing it. I just want you to know that. Because I believe in self-governance and self-responsibility. If you're sick, stay home. Govern yourself. But I also know, and I've already taught you, how to beat the virus. How to make yourself well. So we're not going to do that on today's show. Look at this. We have <laughs> buffering. Boy, this makes me mad. We have um, a Louisiana pastor who is defying the state order to defying the state order to limit his congregation. Okay, the state order to limit his congregation. He's saying, "No, I won't do it. I am not going to limit that." actually held church service and the police showed up and he said look this is a matter of my religious beliefs 
I will not shut down my service. This is our faith. We will not end our practice of our faith. We will not curb the practice of our faith. We have a God-given right of conscience and we will not shut ourselves down to appease your fears. The police chief then threatens to call the National Guard the next time they have church. The pastor says, what? Go ahead. We'll be here. Maybe the National Guard needs to come out and help and, and, and get my church service. He's taking a stand. We have pastors all over the country that you may never hear about that are taking a stand. As a matter of fact, my church is taking a stand. Let me read to you what my church says, okay? At a time of national crisis, we expect certain institutions to be open and certain people to be on duty. We expect hospitals to have their doors open 24-7 to receive and treat patients. We expect our police and firefighters to be ready and available to rescue and to help and keep, uh, keep the peace. The church is another, is another one of those essential services. It's a place where the people turn for help and for comfort in a climate of fear and uncertainty. Therefore, we feel that it would be wrong for us to close our doors on them at this time or any time. In a time of crisis, people are fearful and in need of comfort and community more than ever before. Even people who do not attend church regularly or perhaps never go to church need to know that there is somewhere for them to go when they need help. The river at Tampa Bay is doing and will do everything in our power to support the efforts of our wider community by cleaning and sanitizing surfaces and to take any other recommended measures to protect the people and to keep them healthy and safe. If anyone is either not feeling well or would prefer to take the precaution of remaining at home for their own health, we encourage them to do that and continue to watch the services online. We feel that it's very important at this time that we keep our doors open for anyone who needs prayer or ministry and to make ourselves available to minister hope and healing and comfort to them. We are the body of Christ and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in God's word to us, which says to trust him and not to be fearful, but to have faith in him. We are praying as our fellow Christians around the world, and we know that God answers prayers. People everywhere are looking for leadership, both natural and spiritual, to be calm and strong and to lead them through this. Because we will eventually come through this, as we have in the past. The last thing we need in a time of crisis for people to be spreading false rumors and looking for someone to attack or to place allocated blame. Right now, we need to rather be all working together to get through this. We hope and trust that all media outlets will be able to hear from the president and his medical advisors and properly and correctly report the information and give advice to them and resist the temptation to report in such a way as to exacerbate people's panic, fear, and anxiety. A word of encouragement to you. When they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. This is how we're supposed to stand. 
We are the church. Oops, wrong way. Sorry. We are the church. America was built upon the principle of liberty. And if you want to speak historically, this is not theocratically. If you want to speak historically, the immigration to the American continent by the Western world was done so in the pursuit and in fleeing religious persecution. Fleeing religious persecution. We didn't do it right when we started. I actually have a course at libertyfirstuniversity.com where I teach the religious liberty in America. Religious liberty, in, which is not a pretty scene in America at all times, because we simply don't teach religious liberty accurately in America. We don't teach religious history accurately in America. We don't teach American history accurately in America. But we do at libertyfirstuniversity.com. And learning from that history, you learn some essential axiomatic truths. Number one principle to who America is, is the foundation and cornerstone of religious liberty. And it is un-American for the church to be mandated by government to do anything at all. We shut out kings. See, we didn't just become independent from Great Britain. We said no to kings forever. Because historically speaking, kings have always had an unholy marriage with the quote-unquote church. And in that unholy marriage have brought about one of the, some of the greatest oppressions and atrocities on mankind. And when we set no more kings... And we adopted our Constitution and our Bill of Rights. We said no more unholy marriage with church and government. But when the government can step up and say, you cannot have church, or even in the very least, you can only have church with this number of people. You can only have a meeting of 10 people. And when you're in church, you can't touch each other. You are now entering into the realm of that unholy marriage of government control over church. See, separation of church and state is not something that Thomas Jefferson invented in his, his letter to the Danbury Baptists. When you have our religious liberty training at, Chrisanne, uh, at the Liberty First University, you understand through our religious liberty training, that separation of church and state is something that has been established as a principle of liberty for centuries. Thomas Jefferson was not inventing anything. He was repeating an historical truth to the people who shared the history with him. Shared that history with him. So, what is that history of truth? In 1100, 
Those of you who went through the history class with me the other day, if you don't remember, if you missed the history class that we did here live on YouTube, if you missed that, you can go back to the YouTube channel and watch the history, our constitutional live class. But the bottom line is in 1100, a king said that if the government is interfering with your church in any way, shape, or form, you have an evil and oppressive government that you are righteously justified to resist. In 1100, a king with no internet, no CNN, no NS, MSNBC, no, no Google Oracle knew that if the government was imposing rules, regulations, and limitations upon the church, it meant they had an evil and oppressive church, a government. That's what separation of church and state has meant for centuries, that the government has no business in your church. And what we're seeing now, my Hillsborough County, Florida, where we are working right now, Hillsborough County, Florida, the city council issued an administrative decree, not even a law, but an administrative decree that even ministries could not have churches, uh, could not have services of over 10 people. That's why my church issued that press release. Because we know from a liberty and principled perspective that when the government is interfering with the work of the church, it is a government we can righteously resist. And that's what's making people angry at me for saying stuff like that. I don't know what to help you. It is un-American to think that government can limit church. It is un-American to, to impose limits on the attendance of church. That is not going, and for my lawyer friends out there, that is not going to pass the lemon test. That fails the second prong of the lemon test for my lawyers and law students out there listening. A law that limits the number of people that can attend a church service, even in a quote-unquote national emergency, will not pass the second prong of a lemon test. Why? Because there are multiple multiple commands in the Bible to assemble, multiple commands of the Bible to reach out to the sick and to the poor, multiple commands in the Bible to uh, lay hands on people, multiple commands in the Bible to outreach and bring in people, multiple commands, biblical commands that drive faith. Not only will it not pass the second prong of the lemon test in that respect, you cannot overcome that with the compelling governmental interest. And I'll tell you why. Because the church is not forcing people to come to its services, unlike the government, which is trying to force the people to not go to services. The church is not forcing people to come to services. The churches are absolutely saying you have a choice to come and not to come. 
exercise your faith according to your portion. And therefore, because we're not mandating that attendance, we're just operating within the realm of our religious faith and our beliefs according to the dictates of our conscience. The compelling of our governmental interest will not overcome our right to religious freedom and its expression, period. We're not endangering people and we're not violating anyone's legally established laws. So I don't need to uh, belabor that any further, but I want you to meet this pastor, finally getting my internet to working here a little bit better maybe. This is the Louisiana pastor who defies our church. Let me see, JC's not here, so I have to. Uh, I don't know how this works, but whatever. So this is Pastor um, Tony Spell's church. And I had mentioned before that the police chief showed up and said, we're not going to, you're, you're violating the order. We're going to shut you down. The pastor said, no, you're not. The police chief said, then fine. The next, why do I keep doing that? The police chief said, fine. The next time you do that, we will have the National Guard out here. Okay? Update. Update. The National Guard has said, no way. We're not doing that. We're not showing up to shut down this church and their service. That is not correct information that you're getting from the police chief. So we need to stand up for this kind of stuff. We need to ensure that we are taking the stand that we need to take in accord with our principles of liberty. Let me just remind you, Pastor Tony Spell is behaving in an American way, oh, wow, Chris Ann's going to trigger some people here. Are you ready? Pastor Tony Spell is behaving as an American in the American way. The police chief is behaving un-American. Ah, I just triggered a whole bunch of people. And I'm not apologizing. I am not going to apologize for triggering these people, for identifying you see, I don't have to label anybody. I, I'm just showing you where the boundaries of American and un-American lie. The people who in their own behavior are classifying themselves. I, don't, I am not calling the police chief un-American. I am saying his behavior classifies himself. We are to judge each other by our fruits. By not by our way we look, our political parties, by our loyalty to people. We are to judge each other by our fruits. It's our fruits that classify us, not me. So there you have it. The police chief is wrong. I, I wanted to show you this too as well. This is not just simply a religious liberty thing. This is a... a property rights thing this is a there we go that's the right one 
New Orleans mayor orders halt to gun and booze sales in response to coronavirus panic. And a Second Amendment group is going to sue the mayor. Reminiscent of the gun confiscation orders during the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, New Orleans is once again flying off the rocker. Mayor LaToya Cantrell has issued an emergency proclamation that the sale of guns and ammunition and alcohol within the city may be suspended. The order gives police authority to seize any private property they see fit. Talk about arbitrary. They see fit in order to deal with the coronavirus emergency and gives them the power to force anyone out of their homes for evacuation. Let me just leave her picture up here. Mayor LaToya Cantrell is behaving in an un-American way. And any police officer that acts according to this directive is behaving in an un-American way. Can I just mention to you that the catalyst to our independence movement is the very same thing that LaToya Cantrell is trying to impose. An arbitrary search and seizure left in the hands of the agents to seize whatever they, quote, see fit. If you don't believe me, once again, you need to go to uh, libertyfirstuniversity.com. You need to take the class on the Fourth Amendment. You need to take the class on America Disarmed. And you need to learn about a man named James Otis Jr., whom our founders named the midwife of liberty for standing up against arbitrary searches and seizures like this. So, this behavior of the New Orleans mayor classifies herself as un-American, period. So I don't know if I've triggered enough people today, so let me just move on. At this moment, JC and I got our census thing in the mail today, which actually reminded me that this was something that I wanted to talk to you about, something that I wanted to uh, do in a teach show when JC uh, is not here. Usually in the teach shows, you know, I, I do a lot of teaching, so then JC just sort of sits there and I think he feels kind of left out. I don't I don't want JC to feel left out. So we do our teach shows like this when he's not here and then uh, you will get to see him. Oh, he probably won't be here tomorrow either. He's actually working at the church today and tomorrow. So here we go. The census. Question. What do you have to, I haven't even opened mine yet to even look at. Let's go ahead and I'm opening it right here on air. So we can see the questions. Oh my goodness, let's see. Do you want it in English, Spanish, Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, Russian, Arabic, Tagalog, Polish, French, Haitian Creole, Portuguese, Japanese, English, uh, that's right. Yeah, so that's it. Why is it they give me the same thing on two sides? Waste, ink waste. Okay, all right, let's see with this census. Oh. oh, 
I have to go online to do it. They don't send you paper ones anymore. Well, that's interesting. Okay. They send me a piece of paper to tell me that I have to go online. So let's go ahead and just deal with this question right now. How many people have their senses? They are told, by the way, here it says, um, your response is required by law. Okay. Your response is required by law. How about if I teach you what you have to respond to as required by the Constitution? So the first thing that I want to teach you, I have my notes over here. So if you see me looking over here on the, ca on the camera, it's because I'm looking at my notes. I don't have this class memorized. But we have had many questions about the legitimacy of these extremely intrusive questions on the census. What do I have to answer? What can I answer? What do I need to answer? Okay. Now, understanding the purpose of the census is what's fundamental to understanding its limitations. So here's the teach part. The purpose of the census, constitutionally speaking, is twofold. Okay. Twofold. Okay, um, Patriot Girl number one in the chat room. Did I, uh, help me out here guys, did I say all police officers were acting un-American? Uh, you know, watching the chat room helps me, okay? Watching the ha chat room helps me because then I can understand maybe where I've spoken unclearly, maybe you misunderstand me. Um, I never said all police officers were un-American. I said any police officer who follows this mayor's directive is un-American. So thank you for helping me clear up that misunderstanding. If there is one, let me know if I was. Um, oh, or maybe it's just because Liberty Cause is in the chat room stirring up trouble again. Hey, Liberty Cause, um, I'm not gonna, why do you take advantage of me when I'm not able to watch the chat room? Okay, so uh, Patriot Girl, I, 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 I see now what the problem is. I'm, I'm sorry, but if there is some misunderstanding about what I'm saying, okay, I'm not saying all police officers are un-American. I'm saying the police officers and the deputies and the sheriffs who enforce these unconstitutional decrees are un-American, just in case we got that out there. So when JC's not here, we don't, we're not able to really look over the chat room and make sure everybody's behaving. Um, but I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this continue anymore. So let me just put that out there. If you're going to be abusive, if you're going to speak in generalities that condemn people and not individual actions, I'm not going to put up with that stuff in my chat room. So if you don't like it, go find somewhere else and go start your own YouTube channel. Cause I'm not going to do that. We, JC mentioned this yesterday, we have a great audience. You guys are awesome. You don't have to, you don't have to, um, you don't have to agree with each other in here. You don't, and we see this all the time. People don't agree, but we realize that in civil, uh, in civil accord, we can have these destruct, in, in, in these, these constructive conversations but I'm not gonna let you be abusive. So Liberty Cause, one more and you're gone. I'm just gonna let you know, we have had lots of patience with you. One more and you're gone. 
and that's that's it so when when you catch when when the delay catches up to you in our chat room i will let you know we uh we we will not tolerate this anymore so do not make general accusations against entire populations we judge people individuals by their actions period all right so census two purposes constitutionally speaking sorry about that housekeeping moment for a second we have two particular reasons two specific reasons for for incorporating a census now Understanding those purposes is what's important. Purpose number one, determining the, the population to determine the number of representatives in the House of Representatives in the district. Number two, to set the portion of federal expenses to be apportioned to each state. The only two purposes. The only two purposes for the census. Neither of these reasons require the federal government to ask you how many square feet your house is, what kind of property that you own, but only the number of people alone. Now, the reason for the census was to keep the federal government from arbitrarily laying taxes and apportioning unequal suffrage to the states and to keep the states from lying about their population to get greater representation, and then in the same respect, lying to the federal government so they didn't have to pay their proper portion of the federal debt. Maybe I sort of need to back up here for just one second, okay? Let me just come back and, and uh, refresh, refresh here. Taxes on the federal level were expressly debated and expressly determined that they should expressly never come directly from the people. There's so much discussion on this, so much that it's difficult to even fathom the ignorance in this. But our founders specifically declared that the federal government should never have direct access to our financial pockets, period. We, the federal government was to collect the money they need from the states apportioned according to their population. This is number one because it's the states that created the federal government, so therefore it was the state's obligation to keep its creation afloat financially. And number two, because the states created the federal government, it was the obligation of the states to, uh, to uh, limit the federal government's activity by controlling the purse strings of the federal government. Now, here we go. When we moved away from the constitutionally established means of funding the federal government through the apportionment of the states and the direct taxation of the people, we eliminated an essential check and balance on the federal government. Because you see, it was established that the states would fund the federal government, their creation, and also have the authority to not fund the federal government in any action in which the federal government was attempting to exercise unauthorized 
power. Let me break it down for you in an example. If the federal government were to come to the states and say, we need you to fund our, our alcohol, tobacco, firearm, and explosive agency, the states would then supposedly... Okay, sorry. I, let me pause here for a second. I am going to uh, report and remove this person from my group here really quick. I'm sorry. This is, we're done. You're gone. Okay, so. Okay, why is this happening? You are gone, I'm sorry. You are removed. Now, we, we have to make sure that this is something that we understand. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm squirrel getting distracted because I have people abusing my uh, chat room and uh, we're, we're, we're done with these people, they're gone. So thank you very much. You're not gonna be allowed to make any more comments. So here we go. When the federal government can come to the states and say, we are going to have this agency, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives. We need the states to fund that. The check and balance was supposed to be, hello, uh, you are not allowed, to, you have not authorized to have an alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosive agency. This is not a delegated authority. This is a power reserved to the states. Therefore, we are not going to fund this for you. We are going to not pay for this, we're going to defund you, and therefore that agency will not exist. This is the essential check and balance. To eliminate, and Madison specifically said this, to eliminate overgrowth of government and its departments. We're not gonna let you do this, okay? All right, so let me read to you what Alexander Hamilton wrote in Federalist 36. Now that we're talking about the purpose of the census. Number one, to determine the apportionment of representatives uh, for each district and the apportionment of the debt to each of the states based on population. Uh, Federalist 736 says, 